Hello and welcome to the Vans Air Force inaugural podcast. My name is Doug Reeves and today's guest is Chris Pratt, RV8 builder, owner. Uh, he keeps his plane at 52F where I keep mine. We've known each other prob- coming up on probably 20 years. Uh, before we get to Chris, I want to talk about a couple of items on the website that uh, kind of stuck out to me as interesting and, and if you want to go give it a look, please do. In the February 1st edition, of vansairforce.net. A gentleman by the name of uh, Mr. Gerardini from Illinois, he flies a 9-8, and I may have butchered his name, and I'm sorry for that, but he wrote a post that I copied and pasted on the front page called Why I Fly Young Eagles, and he wrote about a page and a half of material, and it was really quite gripping, and I think you should give that a read. The date on that was February 1st. In the February 5th edition, Steve Smith, who flies an RV-8, wrote a little piece about a, a new steering link that's got revised geometry. He's a, an aeronautical engineer and has done the math on that, and he's, proto- he's uh, testing a prototype that Darwin Berry of JD Air Parts is, uh, is, is maybe going to put out. But that has some interesting pictures on it. And in the February 6th edition, uh, the same gentleman, Steve Smith, up a picture of a oil cooler exit diffuser which he is working on it's inside it's to uh, make the air go out of the oil cooler a little bit more in a trained fashion and I've, you know I've never thought about any of that so there's some interesting discussion going on back and forth on that mothership news they've got a new website it's updated and they've changed the brand and the logo very uh, neat Thing to see and I, and I know a lot that's a lot of work so Greg Hughes up there has done a great job with that and and uh, happy for him they've got two job openings one is an industrial equipment and facility maintenance position and they're looking for an aircraft systems and structures assembler so you can go to either vansairforce.net or vansaircraft.com and with all that out of the way uh, this is the first podcast I don't really know what I'm doing I'm going to screw up. We're going to have some laughs. I'll work out the mechanics of how to get this stuff online, maybe down the road. But for now, you might just want to be home on your Wi-Fi and stream it for that. Don't expect a lot of polish. Again, I, I'm no expert at this, and I don't really know what I'm doing. So, having said that, the guest is Chris Pratt. Chris Pratt. Uh, Good morning. <laughs> Hello, how are you? <laughs> I, li- I like the, uh, I don't know what I'm doing part, I can relate. Chris, uh, I've known Chris for 15, 16 years. Uh, my plane's been flying for 16 years. Yours has yeah, been flying for... 13, coming up on 14, and um, a lot of building before that. It took six and a half years to build my quick build kit. So, yes. Uh, <laughs> Chris is the guy that if you go to vansairforce.net and scroll down on the left side, you'll click on the, the logo where you can uh, see pictures of people wearing the hat in various places. Chris is at the Basilica in Rome uh, wearing a hat in this. This was probably 10 years ago. I was trying to get the Pope to join me in the hat <laughs> sighting, but he was a little busy at the moment. Okay, so the... Uh, the format of this thing, just because I'm lazy and I can't think of a better way or easier way to do it, is I wrote up about 30 questions and I'm going to ask guests the same questions. So, Chris, let's start with the RV stuff. 
Okay. How did you find your way into the hobby? Describe, uh, you know, when you knew you had to have one of these. Well, I tell you, uh, probably like a lot of people listening here, ever since I was a kid, built model airplanes and did the plastic models and I did the gillows, you know, doping fabric on the... <laughs> on the uh, other uh, um, uh, little airplanes, and then I did the control line stuff. Never quite made it to RC because that seemed like a hell of a lot of work, and I started saying, well, if you're going to do all that work, why don't you just build an airplane? <laughs> um, it took a long time between that point and when I finally got you know both feet into it. But I, I, loved, I loved airplanes since I was a kid. I read every airplane book I could get my hands on. Uh, you know, my dad was flew in World War II, and his brother flew. And You know, you, you kind of get it in your blood. So I, I, I'd read anything I could about aviation. And um, the real stopper for me is, you know, growing up, you saw pit specials, and you saw all the dope and fabric airplanes with the welded steel tube welded fuselages. And I picked up a cover, cover uh, issue of Air Progress, I think it was 1973, and it had a Vans RV3 on the cover. And that was the most gorgeous home built I've ever seen. <laughs> I said, I gotta look at it. And I read through the article, and I'm, I'm still in college at this point. Um, and um, I actually sent away $75 to Vans. To buy a set of plants. Okay. It's plant set number one one three, and I still have that set of plants. It's pretty faded now, and it's stuck away in a drawer somewhere. But I poured over that thing, and now I'm not an engineer. I'm a marketing guy, so I don't know anything about the mechanical stuff, uh, and certainly didn't at that time. And I would look at those plants and look at them and I'd go, I don't understand what I'm looking at, but it's really cool. So I've always kept that in mind, and um, through my career and its ups and downs and all that, never had the opportunity to start building, really, until uh, more than 20 years later. I started on the RV in 1999, and January 1, I started building, and I had the uh, tail kit, went at it from there. Um, oh, I do have to say that when my mother found out that I spent $75... <laughs> on a set of plans for an airplane where I couldn't build and <laughs> you could buy a typewriter. She, she was not happy. <laughs> she was not happy. But um, that I've always paid attention to the RVs. Always loved them. Always a big fan of vans and started I I was an EAA member by then. I've got a five digit EAA number which Nowadays, they're in like seven digits or something, but um, and, and there are a lot of people with lower numbers than me, but yeah. it's one of those things, you know. So, um, that's so how yours I was got a magazine. Started. Your moment was, uh, I saw, I saw that magazine cover and I said, Man, I gotta have one of those, you know. I just I gotta have one. Can, so, I, can I tell you my moment? Yeah, I, I'd love to hear it. Yeah, I was a student pilot, Cessna 150 at Denton, uh, 1674 Quebec. Mm -hmm. owned by Dave Austin mm. <clears throat> and uh, I was at the pump putting gas in it and a guy taxied up in an RV6 and it turned out to be Dave Spears who I don't know if you knew him I know the name uh, but you had to have a little card to use the gas pump there it wasn't a credit card it was like mm -hmm. a club card or oh, something. Okay. And there, was a, there was a card in the glove box of the airplane and you would fill it up when you were done flying Dave taxied up 
and he didn't he had forgotten his card. He starts, you know, he had tattoos. He was kind of a biker-looking guy. Sounds like an RV guy. Yeah. Kind of scared. I'm a little scared. <laughs> and uh, he's cussing at the pump because he can't put gas in it. And I looked over at him and I said, you know, I'll put 10 gallons in that thing if you'll give me a ride. And he looked at me like Joe Green in that Coca-Cola commercial. <laughs> and he said, kid, it ain't going to be a free ride for you. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna want one. Uh, I'm a student pilot. What yeah, do I know? Yeah, I'm like, you know, yeah, that's I, funny. Uh, and I get in the plane, and I mean, the tail's not even off the ground. I'm like, how do I talk my wife into letting me? Mm-hmm. Well, but yeah, I was at random meeting at a gas pump. Yeah, well, some of that, some of that's the way it happens, you know. I I uh, went in finally when I moved to Dallas, and um, I said, okay, I've got a house now. It's got a garage. Yeah. And I wanted to see if I could afford to own an airplane. So I bought a uh, Cessna 140, an old 140, flew it for a year, enjoyed it, put 100 hours on it in that year. And when it came time to do the annual, the fellow I had used as a mechanic looked at it and he said, uh, Sir, you've got too much corrosion, you got this, that, the other thing, I'm not going to sign it off. And I went through hell going to different A&Ps and IAs and... Uh, uh, one would say this, one would say that, you know, the other thing. I finally went to the 140 Club. They looked at it, said, clean this up a little here, a little there, and then they signed off on it. It was fine. And I said, okay, if I really want this airplane in good shape, I'm going to have to rebuild it. Yeah. And if I'm going to rebuild it, why don't I just start from scratch and build a new airplane? So I sold that airplane, which is still flying, by the way. I still see it around the area from time to time. And um, ordered a set of plans. And that was 99. Yeah, so uh, that was in 98. By 99, I had the stuff ready to get going. And I had encouragement. My brother was building a RV-8 at the time. Uh, Danny King, who was one of the early RV-8 builders, he kept bugging me, build an 8, build an 8, build an 8. So I said, I think I'll build an 8. And I, that doesn't I, sound like Danny. I've never regretted, <laughs> never regretted that decision. Okay, next question. Uh, favorite non-RV aircraft? Mm, pretty much, there's a lot on that list. But as I got to thinking about it, you know, um, a Steigerwing Beach would always make me stop in my tracks and yeah. just look and drool. You know? Beautiful airplane. Yeah, when I hit the lottery, I think I'm going to go for one. Okay, so you built your RV. I built it. And you picked the model because of your brother and Danny King. Well, partly and that, and partly the look of the airplane. It, it, it just looks like your own little fighter. Yeah. How? And I like the idea. I, I got my tailwheel time. I'd, I'd flown a number of tailwheel airplanes. Uh, I learned in a J3 on tailwheel, which is centerline. And then I flew 170s, and yeah. Luscombs, and a bunch of others. But I, I like sitting on the center line of the airplane. Yeah. So that, that was an easy decision. How old were you when you started building? Ooh, wow. Let's see. i got to do math now. Uh, I was 50 years old. 50 years old. I was 31. Yeah, you're a kid. I'm a kid. A kid. You got shoes older than me. <laughs> I actually have, <laughs> I have sport coats that are older than <laughs> Okay, so next question is, you got into this RV hobby, let's say for reason A. Is that how it panned out? Or did you find it into 
being something else than you expected? Uh, I, it was a lot more than I expected. Number one, it was a lot more work than I expected. Yeah, I would agree with that. But um, and it had and money. It it and, um, and, and money time. and time and ups and downs and frustrations. And there were more than once when I wanted to take it out to the curb and just let the trash guy pick it up. But that's where a mentor comes in, or talking to other guys yeah. coming in, and <clears throat> they help you get over because. When I started, I had a screwdriver and a hammer and a saw, yeah. and so I knew nothing about that. But but the the really good part about the whole build was it taught me stuff about tools that I always wanted to know but didn't know. And there are things that I will do now just around the house yeah. that I would never try before. Now I do them because I go, I built an airplane. How complicated can, can my sprinkler system be? Yeah, yeah. It's got to be. I mean, <laughs> it's got to be. I got guys out here doing this. They don't look like they graduated right. from college. So um, That toilet's got four moving parts. Yeah. I can fix that. So, um, what's the fourth one? Um, <laughs> it's me. <laughs> but <laughs> um, it's, it's, I learned a lot from it. And you know what Jay Pratt says? Um, he says, I got more out of aviation than it got out of me. Yeah, well, that's a good way to I leave like it. That. Yeah, I, I like that too. Jay, by the way, is no relation to me. No. But believe me, when I first met Jay, I asked him for the family discount if he would help <laughs> out on some things, and he said no. So I said, well, you're, you're no family of mine. Uh, but no, I, I, I built the airplane in my two-car garage, you know, and um, I still to this day, it's funny because... I'll tell people, well, this is where I built my airplane. And they look at the garage, they have seen the airplane, and you can see in their head the little wheels are going around going, right. how did he fit that airplane in that garage? And they go, well, not all at once. You know? Did you build, you, you had an eight, so you had your spar was done. Yeah, I, I built my spar. Oh, I did not have to do that. I spent a summer, you know, tapering those cap strips on a bandsaw and mm -hmm. rasping them down and making them smooth. But when you set the rivets... They're as big as your pinky, mm -hmm. and you've got a baby sledgehammer mm. on that C-tool, and you've got it on the garage floor. And there's a there was a part that I chewed the concrete out and made a bowl in the floor of my <laughs> garage. I bet. Like, I bet. How did that get there? Well, I was you know yeah. setting rivets on an airplane. Thank God I didn't have, have to do that part. <laughs> yeah. Did a lot of other things that have left some dents in the floor. Okay, but, so. Uh, Tell me an interesting story involving your RV. Something, somebody you met on the ramp, something you saw. Well, I had a, I had a really kind of cool thing happen. I, I, in 2005, I did the first flight at the end of May. It was on Memorial Day. And I, my plan was to get to Oshkosh that year. So that meant I basically had two months to fly off the time, paint the airplane, get it up there. And I did. It was a huge mistake to do it that way because I was not a nice person to be so, All of phase a one and a paint job. And a paint job. And it was very, very stressful <laughs> to do that. So I don't recommend that. Uh, but I got, I got up to Oshkosh and people looked at, some people came by and looked at the paint. They said, oh, are you German? And I went, well, no, not really. My my one of my grandparents is, but they said, well, these are the colors of the German flag. And I, and I looked at it, I had no idea. I, I not picked them because they were the colors of the German flag. And I, I thought it was very nice and they were very friendly. And um, about a month later, the airplane's picture showed up in Sport Aviation in their, you know, what our builders are doing thing. And I got an email from a man in Germany 
who saw the airplane and the colors, and he said, just seeing this airplane reminded me of flying when I was younger and how much I loved it and enjoyed it and, and on and on. And it was just a great email. Out of the blue, I didn't know who this guy was. And um, it just kind of bowled me over. So I, I thought that was cool. And that's when you started seeing people connect with things when they get around these airplanes. You know? yeah. So it, it, it was fun. I'll put a picture of uh, your airplane on the website. Or people know this airplane. Uh, the paint scheme, you want to talk about that? Well, I have no talent there. and I, but I, But I said... I want something that stands out on the ramp. I do not want a white airplane with a stripe. Now, there's nothing wrong with a white airplane with a stripe, but I said, no, these airplanes are like, they're fun, they're cool, I want people to see it, have a ramp presence. And um, a good friend of mine owned her own uh, advertising agency, very successful, and I'd been boring her with stories about building this airplane for six years. And I don't think they really thought I was actually building an airplane, just talking about it. So she called me one day and said, we want to design your airplane scheme. So they volunteered to do this. And I gave them some ideas on colors, and they just created a scheme and sent me several different versions. And I picked one, and they refined it a little bit. That's awesome. And it's, it's gotten more compliments from people, including graphic designers who have come by and said, whoever designed it, they did it right. Even the, the president of the judging committee at EAA stopped by my airplane one time, and he said, there's only three airplanes on this field that I really like to paint schemes of, and yours is one of them. <laughs> so I think they did a pretty nice job. Was that job. Bob Reese? Yeah. Bob Reese. And I, and I didn't really know him at the time, so he introduced himself, and he said, I just want to tell you, this is one of the most beautiful airplanes on the field. You've met him, though. I've met him, yeah. I, I, I know who he is now. Yeah. Back then, I, I, I really didn't. He's and, a good guy. Uh, and he was a good guy, yeah, and and um, he's a good guy, I should say. And um, But that was, that was kind of the story. I like and, and I liked it, because if you've ever watched the movie The, uh, the Rocketeer, and they have Love these cool movie. old airplanes. Yeah. Actually, I want something painted like one of those things yeah. because they just look cool. They look like you're having fun. It's a great movie. And I am. Yeah, every time I fly the airplane, I have fun. In. Okay, the next section, uh, basically stealing it from Larry King, I found it where he asks them fast questions. Oh. Just real quick answers. I call it the speed round. Okay. So here we go. You ready? Yep. Secret talent. Uh, I think it's still a secret. Um, unless you consider being able to drill a perfectly round hole in your finger as a secret <laughs> talent, um, I, I, I really don't have any secret ones. <laughs> sure, why not? Weirdest job you've ever had? I think kind of weird when I was in college. I worked for a commercial radio station as a broadcaster, as an announcer, and as a part-time job. And then in the summers, they bring me in full-time to give some of their other people a chance to take vacation. And right. Well, the, the bad side of that was the full-time part was midnight to 6. <laughs> and it was midnight to 6 in New Orleans, Louisiana, and a radio <laughs> station that was one block away from Bourbon Street, and up on the 13th floor. 
And you find out the kind of people that are awake between midnight and six sure. calling in to you. You're by yourself in this place, I was right? by myself. There what was... They, what are they calling ba- bathroom songs? <laughs> You, you <laughs> These were old schmaltzy songs, uh, you know, you gotta play the, the pop songs and yeah. all this kind of stuff. But people would call in because the guy I replaced used to put them on the air. Right. And he had nicknames for all of them. And they, even though I couldn't put them on the air, I was forbidden to put them on the air. <laughs> that was part of the reason I was there, is to calm them all down. <laughs> was um, they would still use their nickname and call me up. <laughs> they were lonely. Okay, guilty pleasure. Anything involving chocolate. Okay. What never fails to make you laugh? Uh, my younger brother used to do impressions of I've seen famous some. movie stars, yeah. and he would always crack me up. I, I've always. seen it. I've seen it. It's good stuff. He, and when he gets going, oh, my God. He <laughs> does, doesn't do them as much now because the younger generation doesn't remember who the stars are. <laughs> Who's Jimmy Stewart? Jimmy Stewart, yeah. John Wayne, you know, Kirk Douglas, all these guys. But he had them down pat. What food or drink will you never eat or drink again? And I, why? I, I don't recommend malt liquor <laughs> <laughs> for various reasons, but um, it will come back to haunt you. Uh, yeah. For me, it's Chevis Regal. <laughs> if you could have a superpower, what would it be? I, I think, obviously, the ability to fly... Without an airplane. Without an airplane, yeah. Best advice you ever got? Measure twice, cut once. Worst advice you ever got? You don't need to trim that. (laughs) Something you wish you... There's a story behind that. (laughs) Something you wish you were better at? Well, really, just general mechanics. I know I built an airplane and that, but I, I meet guys all the time at the airport that their brain works that way. They understand how things work. Yeah. And to me, you got to explain it. I'll get it figured out, but it kind of takes a little way. while. Any outside interests outside uh, of RVs? I've always loved uh, photography. I've always done a lot of that. I used to do some for a company I worked for. I love to read, mostly history. Uh, I like that quite yeah. a bit. And uh, secretly, it wasn't a talent, but uh, I used to do ballroom dancing, which was kind of fun. <clears throat> You're the only guy, and I've actually explained to people, you know, you got to meet Chris Pratt, and he's got this, He's a, he was into ballroom dancing. I, I didn't want to be a one-dimensional, I can only talk airplanes. And I remember when you were telling me this, yeah. you said, you can't believe how competitive it is. Oh, my God. And I remember I was, la- I, was I laughed out loud when you said that. And then the more I, knew, I learned about it, I'm like, yeah, these yeah. people are going for the throat. Oh, yeah. It was yeah. <laughs> it's like the dog show. It's kind of like best of show, only it's with like people. It's like best of show with people. So. Uh, any organization or charity you want to give a plug out to? Well, um, I, I'm a believer in EAA, especially the E part of it. And um, I think that's it's a worthy cause, worthwhile charity that... Pays dividends down the road. I like that. Okay, well, there's the speed round. Okay. And then I call this last bit, about six or seven questions, the remainder. What aviator, past or present, would you like to have dinner with? I'd love to have dinner with Charles Lindbergh. Charles Lindbergh. I think he's an interesting guy. Um, He's a controversial guy. I think I've read every book ever written on him and the ones that he's written himself. And the books tend to fall into two categories, love or hate. Yeah. So he's a very controversial guy, but I think he would be an interesting guy to actually know to figure out what yeah. he was really all about. Yeah. Okay, how old were you when you soloed an airplane? I was 23 years old. What kind of plane? Cessna 150. 
Where? Oh, New Tamiami Airport in South Miami there. Anything and interesting happen? Or just yeah, well, after my instructor, who was a big guy, got out, and of course the airplane leapt into the air like a, you know, like it was a fighter. And, I'm, and now I look over and there's nobody there, so that's a little <laughs> scary. But I'm on downwind, I'm doing, he said, just go do three takeoffs and landings. And I'm on downwind, and the tower gave me a command that I had never heard before. I only had 10 hours of flying. And they said, uh, make a right 360 for spacing or for something. And I didn't catch the end part. I just heard the 360, and I yeah. went, what does that mean? We'd never gone over that. <laughs> Vertical? I mean, yeah, yeah. So I guess, I guess maybe I'll just turn it 360 degrees and get back in line. So apparently that worked out. <laughs> uh, tell me about a time you had a problem in the air and what you did about it. Um RV-wise, interesting one, um, and it was a few years ago, but um, I've got a TrueTrack ADI Pilot 2 autopilot in the airplane, and I have it on my, uh, I have an infinity stick grip in the airplane, and the little green button down by my thumb is a, uh, a deactivate switch for the autopilot, right. so I can turn the autopilot off. Well, um, I, I was practicing landing one day, I made pretty hardly you can make a hard landing in an rv if you get a little behind it because they have a good sink rate and um, it was a firm landing but everything seemed okay so i took back off and as soon as i took off i got about uh, 200 feet in the air and i started to make a turn and the ailerons were frozen stiff i could not move them i think and, I know where this is going. and man the sweat started beating on it, and I'm going. Well, they say that you can overpower it with your an autopilot with your hand or something. And I said, well, and I'm pushing on it, and I really can't do that. And I said, well, wait a minute. If it's the tubing of the aileron or something that's come loose and it gets stuck over there, then I'm going to spin the sucker on the ground. And all all this stuff's happening very quickly in my brain. And it's kind of a lesson in what I call cognitive dissonance because I already in my head said, well, maybe it's the autopilot. I said, no, it can't be the autopilot. I didn't turn the autopilot on. <laughs> so I very quickly, now I'm at about 400 feet, and I go, okay, the elevator works. And I try the rudders. The rudders work. So I can turn this airplane with that, the rudders and the elevator, and worry about the ailerons after I get back on the ground. So I got on the radio, called, I declared a mayday. No it's amazing how quiet the radio gets <laughs> on 122.9 if you say mayday on there. <laughs> Nothing. But I told people where I was, what I was doing was in the pattern. I thought about going over to Alliance, which is just a hop and skip away because it's got sure. a big long runway and very wide. But I said, no, I got an airport right next to me. Yeah. Let's use it. So I got the airplane around fine, doing some little skidding turns, and got on final, told everybody, if you're on final, please get out of the way, because <laughs> I'm not doing this twice. <laughs> and I got down. But uh, the long story, after I got down and the ailerons were still stuck in position, I taxied back to my hangar, turned the airplane off. My brother happened to be there, and I said, check that aileron because they're just like frozen in place. And it goes over the aileron and it goes up and down just fine. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And I go, what? Yeah. And I had to think about it a while and it finally dawned on me. What I forgot was 
the little disengage switch on the stick, if you take that same switch and hold it down for two seconds, it will engage the tracking mode of the autopilot. So all I had to do was blip that switch, and there would have been no incident, panic, anything at all. But my brain had told me, no, I didn't turn the autopilot on, so why would I turn it off? And you were squeezing just, the stick. Just, and you were... and I'm, I'm at 400 feet, and I'm trying to do all this other stuff. So it, it's kind of a lesson about you, you, you have a prejudice, what you've already believed this, and it really wasn't true. And I had completely forgotten. It is in the installation instructions yeah. that if you hold that thing down for a second and a half, two seconds, it will engage yeah. the tracking mode. So lesson learned on that one. <laughs> but it's, it's, uh, it, it reminds me that don't assume anything when you're up there. It, it takes you a second to flip it off anyway. Why not? Agreed. Yeah. Well, that panic mode, your brain starts thinking in a sure. different set of, set of we lines. We all been there. Mm-hmm. Okay, next question. What did you do at your day job? I know you're kind of semi-retired. Yeah, well, semi-retired, but i got to keep working. There always seems to be some emergency expense that comes up. <laughs> so, But uh, I've been a marketing guy in the aviation business my entire career. I started out at Cessna doing market research and um, got out of Wichita hurry, because uh, no offense to Wichita, but I came from Miami, so the culture <laughs> shock was pretty high. Um, but I've, I've been in business and general aviation. I've worked for the manufacturers. I've worked for service companies, FBOs, associations, did some stuff for AOPA and people like that for a while. So um, that's been my life. I've enjoyed it. And I still do. And in my part-time consulting work now, I still do marketing and branding and research for uh, for clients. Okay. Next question: uh, If you've got a call sign, how did you get it? I don't think you've got one. Just, I, I just Chris? somehow I just never got a call sign. I guess I'm just kind of boring. Well, hopefully there's still somebody listening to this at this point. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what aviation milestone are you most proud of? I think getting my instrument rating was a real milestone. It's, it's. I tell everybody, it's the most valuable rating I think you'll ever have. By the time you get that, you will know, you'll have a lot of confidence in your flying and your abilities. You'll be a better pilot. And you've got a rating, you've got a seaplane rating? I've got a seaplane rating, multi-engine, multi-engine land and sea, no, what is it? Private pilot, single engine land and sea, multi-engine land, and a glider rating. And a glider rating, yeah. man. Last question. What's next on your aviation horizon? I still want a cub on floats. <laughs> Someplace, somewhere, there's a lake where I need to be in a cub on floats. It's the most fun flying you'll ever do. And if you need, instead of a BFR sometime, add a rating, go get your float plane rating. It's, it's a kick. I haven't done it, and I've thought about it more than once. Yeah. Well, we're at the end of the questions. Okay. I, if I, anybody's still I, listening, uh, yeah. <laughs> how bad was Send Doug some money. How bad know? was this? <laughs> Send your complaints to yes. uh, I want to thank you, Chris, for uh, sitting down with me. We're gonna go. Well, thank you, Doug, for, for asking me to do this, for being a friend and a fellow RVer. And uh, really, you're a champion for the RV community. So I think we all really appreciate it. Well, I'm a complete fraud, but... Uh, I'll keep it going. As I, long I, as I do. I wasn't going to mention that. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go eat. Okay. Thanks, everybody. Okay.